Hey, everybody, this is pop culture critic John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tatey, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, Mom reviews the new season of Jerry Seinfeld's chat show, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Let's bring Mom in now. Hi, Mom. Hi, Johnny. I just saw you, so yeah. we're not really having a big hello. Well, people were expecting uh, a, a podcast from New Hampshire, and this was my great error because uh, I forget that when you're a parent— of two toddlers, um, somebody put it to me. I think I think this is very funny um, that you don't take vacations anymore. You just take trips. Um, and although we had a wonderful time and I did enjoy myself, uh, it was exhausting and it, it was just constant. So there was really not any oxygen for us to even record a podcast, let alone for me to edit it. So we that just collected up our experiences. A week in New Hampshire, I went back home to see mom and dad with the kids and Anna, and we just had a wonderful time. Did you have a good time, Mom? I had such a good time, but I didn't plan us to be so busy. We were so busy, I thought. Well, you got to keep those kids going. Well, I pictured more downtime, but, you know... We did everything, we did everything, and everything that I thought should happen, happened, um, but boy, the time just gets eaten up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. What? No, you go ahead. I'm sorry. I just went, <laughs> I just looked at the notes that I wrote down, and one of them was our trip to Billings Farm, which I think is going to keep me laughing for a good long time. Okay, so this is the first installment of Pop Mom on the Road That's that Mom's setting up here. Um, tell us about Billings Farm, Mom. Well, Billings Farm is uh, in Woodstock, Vermont. It is uh, part museum, <laughs> part farm, and it is quite gorgeous. It is very clean and um, orderly. Yes, it's quite a tidy farm. Quite a tidy farm. Our well, here's what the brush. here's what the web before you get to that. Here's what the website has to say about it: uh, okay. Billingsfarm.org. Uh, like Mom said, it's in Woodstock, Vermont, on 69 Old River Road. And uh, it bills itself as uh, one of the finest outdoor history museums in the country. It claims to be regarded as such. Now, I don't know who's doing this regarding, but uh, according to Billings Farm, it is regarded as one of, the, one of the finest outdoor history museums in the whole country, not just New yeah. England or Vermont, the whole yeah. damn country, combining a fully operating Jersey dairy farm with educational exhibits and interactive programs and events, which we got to sample. <laughs> Boy, let me tell you, Billings Farm and Museum is committed to providing education and enjoyment to visitors of all ages. So we took Pop Mom on the road to Billings Farm. We brought the grandkids. Mom, let's go through the experience. Well, we got there, and 
it, it seemed to be going quite smoothly. The check-in, I paid for our tickets and, and got a sticker. And then when the group all organized together, she said, oh, oh, there's, there's all of you. And I said, well, what did she think I just paid $68 for? Yes. Me? Mom paid for and, six people to enter this museum and got one sticker. And then the woman was like, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, hey, where are you going? You folks need stickers. <laughs> so she thought you were just really wanted a sticker and were willing to pay six <laughs> times the face value. It was that should have been the clue. That should have been the tip off that things were going to be different than you expected. Well, I'll tell you what the tip, that was a tip off, I think, but I'll tell you what the tip off uh, was for me. And I know I've mentioned this and nobody really caught on to this detail the way that I did. But um, not only was it, you know, was there the trouble getting the stickers, we all got stickered by the end. So we were all fine. But in her patter, um, introducing us to the place, she said, and there's a, there's a film about the museum over here in our screening room. And I turn around to see this clearly well-appointed, um, either recently built or recently renovated screening room. Uh, but I just think it's, this is the last thing in the world I would want to do is sit down and see your amateurish movie that you made about your farm. What? <laughs> Come enjoy the authentic outdoors. When you could actually go out and see the farm. Right. Right. So the fact that she plugged, you know, was so sure to mention the film about the farm, Ugh. it just was off enough that I thought, oh, this could be real boring. But it wasn't quite boring. I mean, we, you and I had a good time, at least. I couldn't. I think there was something in the air because I, I just couldn't stop laughing because <laughs> our next stop was meet a chicken. Meet a chicken. What could be more perfect for the little kids? Perfect, right? Uh, uh, not a scary animal. Uh, well, small, cute. And I thought, well, we're going to go into this little area here, and he's going to bring out a, ch a chick <laughs> and tell us a few facts about it, and we're going to all look at the chicken and maybe even touch it, and then we'll go on our way. Yeah. Well, instead, he comes out with, um, first, he's got this box of eggs that are all different color shells. Like, some of them are greenish, some of them are brownish. I mean, it's not like a rainbow of eggs, but it's more colors right. than you're used to seeing on a dozen eggs. And goes on this extended jag about why don't you see these eggs in the supermarket? Well, I'll tell you, because the kinds of eggs that lay these eggs, they only lay eggs 200 days chicken, a year. kind of chicken. What did I say? Eggs? Eggs that eggs lay eggs? that lay these eggs. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm still doing better eggs. than he did. But in sure. any case, he's saying, <laughs> he's saying, you know, the kind of chickens that lay these eggs, they only lay 200 days a year. And the kind of chickens that lay the white and brown eggs, now they're laying year round. And it's all about money. Now, who in their right mind would put... All that money, into, and he's getting himself all wound up. He just said, who in their right mind would, would spend all that money for a chicken that's only going to lay eggs 200 days a year? Well, a lot of people. And just suddenly gets turns on himself, and we're still nowhere near meeting a chicken. We're still sort of ranting about different colored eggs. At that point, I went up to get to the bath, got up to go to the bathroom. 
<laughs> and left you guys there for a little while. I took my time. So what happened from there? <laughs> Wait, were you there for the picture? I was, I, well, y- yes. So I, I come back expecting, like, I think I'm going to walk just right into the fray of chicken meeting. Like, I'm going to give this guy some time to warm up when I'm back from the bathroom. We're right. going to be meeting chickens right. left and right. Instead, right. I return to what? Well, he has told us that uh, their their chickens come. They don't they don't hatch the eggs there themselves. They come from someplace. They come from all over the United States because they are um, not heritage, but they are heirloom. Heirloom heirloom chicken breeds. Yeah. Okay. And so they come to the post office and the postmaster calls and says, your chickens are here and they have to go down to the post office and pick up these chickens. And when they do, and then he picks up a folder and shows us a picture of a little chick. Of a a picture, like printed out from the Internet. This is what they look like. That's that's when I lost interest. So I come back from the bathroom and I walk in to this guy holding up a picture of a chick, and I just look at Ma like, "What the hell is going on here? Where's the where are the animals?" Meet a chicken. Uh, I don't know if that ever happened because we left. We left, but we do you remember? We then walked around for a good while. And then swung back by, and he was still going, like 10, 15 minutes later, and still no chicken to be seen anywhere. They were right behind him. <laughs> they were I right behind him. bring one out. Just turn around and grab one from the coop so that we can see it. Right. We could hear him scratching and clucking in there or whatever, but no, right. he really had to warm up that crowd. Well, anyway, you know what the sad thing is? I never did see a chicken. No, I never saw a chicken either. But, you know, the kids saw chickens in uh, Sunapee at the little uh, little dairy farm where we got ice cream. So, you know. They didn't have chickens there. Yeah, they did. Where? Oh, no, you're right. I those were those were bunnies. I was, yeah. Well, they're easily mistaken for each other. Bunnies, chickens. Bunnies don't lay eggs. Hmm, that's true. Well, the Cadbury bunny does. Well, that's true. All right. Hmm? Fair enough. Yep, got you there. Fair enough. I just can't get my head around chickens, can I? I'm calling them eggs. I'm mistaking them for I bunny know. rabbits. Maybe this guy hypnotized us all. Well, maybe if I'd gotten to meet a chicken at this damn farm, <laughs> then I would know what a chicken is. Uh, I did see a day-old cow. Yes. Pretty big for a day old. I thought so. Nothing I'd want to drop, that's for sure. Um, so we oh. proceed from the uh, chicken coop. Uh <laughs> To, you know where I'm going next, is to the the tractor ride around the farm. And here now we're going to finally, the chicken was quite disappointing, but now on the tractor we're going to get a grand tour of sprawling Billings Farm and Museum. We're going to see all the... Peaks of animals. Right, right. We'll see the animals in their element. We'll see all the crops. We'll learn. Oh, it's going to be exhilarating. Describe the tractor ride. Well, we did sit in a wagon, a hay wagon of sorts, yeah. uh, but we were pulled by 
a young man in a tractor Mm -hmm. that doesn't look like a tractor. He's sitting in air conditioning and he's pulling us around. He's not talking to us or pointing anything out. We're just riding. And all Leo's looking at is the big fat tires. Right. Leo, my son, my three-year-old son. To look at. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, what could the guy possibly talk about? Uh, Here's some more grass. Because they drive us around the perimeter of this big grassy area and then past a garden of some kind. Oh, that's and right. then back to the beginning of the, <laughs> the ride. I didn't really understand that very well. It's almost as if we were being given a tour of the future site of the Billings Farm and Museum, <laughs> and they hadn't broken ground yet. <laughs> Coming to a farm near you. <laughs> anyway, I got the giggles at some point, and I I just couldn't stop laughing. I just I felt like an idiot. But well, basically, you and I just spent the whole time trading sarcastic remarks about how dumb this farm true. and museum was. But true, the, you know, the kids enjoyed themselves. I don't know if it was, you know, we have a farm nearby here in in, uh, in the Chicago area. There's a farm museum. I forget what it's called, but it's it's more compact, but there's animals and, and stuff to look at everywhere. Yeah. You know. Well, I thought we had more farm at the sanctuary, or more fun at the sanctuary farm where we went just for ice cream yeah. and hot dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think so, because there was a couple little things for the kids to ride around on and a little, Yeah. <clears throat> and Uncle Merrick was there. Oh, they love their Uncle Merrick. Yes, they do. That there was uh, that evening. I think might have been the highlight of Leo's trip. In fact, because Uncle Merrick um, lifted Leo up to dunk the basketball <laughs> in the little hoop they uh, held up, and um, we all cheered for him. And uh, I can't remember the last time I've seen him grin with his whole body in yeah. quite to, to yeah. quite that degree. He was electrified. It was a big, big grin. Yep. <laughs> like he was playing for the Celtics. It was a beautiful Just Jumping moment. up and down. Yeah. That's what I'll remember. I mean, I guess I'll remember the Billings Farm, too, but not for the reasons they intended. Maybe I should have watched no. the film. <laughs> no. I know. <laughs> well, we don't have to do it again. We've kind of been out of the way. Oh, no. We will not be doing it again. Of course, you did have to add a little coup de gras at the end of that. So, why? What? What? Oh, well, that's right. Yeah. So on the way back into Woodstock, I get a flat tire. Mom had me rent a minivan. It was a good idea. Had me rent a minivan so that we could all travel because the kids are both in car seats and that takes up a lot of room. It doesn't leave much room for anybody yeah. else. So we wanted a third row of seats, and I got that. And I got the minivan. I'm used to piloting my little Jetta around Chicago and, you know, slipping into a parking space or, you know, it's just a very um, maneuverable vehicle. And it's not like I can't drive anything else, but I wasn't quite used to the proportions of this and my instinct to, like, get right up to the curb so that someone doesn't snap off my uh, rearview mirror, less necessary in Woodstock, Vermont than it is in Chicago, 
nonetheless, that instinct kicked in and I tried to get right up to the curb and instead caught a jagged piece that was sticking out and got a flat tire. But, you know, it's kind of funny the way it ended up because then we had to take uh, separate cars for all the excursions on the rest for the rest of the week. And I got to spend a little quality time with dad in his car that I yeah. wouldn't have gotten otherwise. So it kind of, it kind of worked out. He particularly out. mentioned that too. So yeah, he mentioned it to he, me. He, he was happy about that. Yeah. Well, I know. I mean, he wasn't happy about it. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Pleased with the outcome. So well, you know what I'm trying to say. I absolutely do. And you, so, uh, you know, it's just a lesson in being ready for uh, misfortune and adventure when you're traveling. This was pretty minor misfortune as these things go, but it it yeah. uh, turned out to be beneficial for the father-son relationship. That's right. And I have to say, I also am um, perhaps a little more enlightened about David Bowie at this point because I now know uh, the first line to Major Tom. Uh, that's right. Uh, Leo is on a David Bowie kick right now, especially the song Space Oddity, which you may know better uh, for its line, Ground Control to Major Tom. And uh, Leo made sure none of us forgot that line. Well, and you don't have it quite right. Oh, you're right. What is it? Ground Control to Major Doe. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we're all singing it. Before we move on, Mom, I thought another element of Pop Mom on the Road is that we could uh, grade the food in the area quickly. Oh. First, let's give a out of, out of five eggs, how many eggs do you give the green eggs, by the way? Billings Farm and Museum. How many green eggs do you give it out of five? I'm going to have to just give it two. Two eggs. it was a farm. Yes, it was. Uh, the museum, maybe. I mean, again, I didn't watch the film, but right. um, it is technically a farm. Yes. So what food did we have? Um, we went to... The uh, creamery. The creamery in Woodstock. It was fine. They were a little, yeah. they were a little surly, uh, not so happy to have us because we came in right before closing. Well, they did have a very uh, animated conversation about somebody being oh, arrested. Yeah. Some sort of sordid murder case, it sounded like, is playing out in the Woodstock area. That wasn't all that pleasant, I have to say. No, they were a buzz over that. That cheered them up. But having customers did not make them very chipper. Uh, the no. food was fine. We also ate at the Common Man restaurant in Concord. Now, what do you make mm. of this place? I, I think that's a different uh, mid-level, a different caliber of mid-level food. A superior caliber, you mean? Like middle, middle. You know, I think it's it's a decent food, not great food. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going with that. Okay. Well, I want to tell a little story about the Common Man restaurant. Okay. So we're headed home from the Common Man uh, after having eaten. We met up there with uh, Anna's aunt and uncle so that they could see Leo and Eve. And uh, dad starts telling me about this dream he had the night before, which is a very dad thing to start talking about. Yeah. We've all told dad, as you would tell anyone, that nobody wants to hear about your boring dream. Um, but that's never really stopped him. Uh, so he starts telling me, this was actually kind of remarkable, that he had a dream the night before where um, somebody was really, some woman was really put off by him. 
And also in the dream, there were three uh, very tall, like basketball players. And he said that. Oh, wow. He told me this. He said that uh, at the restaurant, apparently he gave Jan, Anna's aunt, uh, you know, a kiss on the cheek goodbye, right? Which is a very um, Philadelphia Italian thing to do. Um, but maybe not as common up in northern New England, right? So there was a bit of a, a he said that she hesitated a bit, and he he noticed that. Um, and also that, and this I can verify because I did see it myself, that while we were eating, um, you know, he mentioned in his dream he, there were these three really tall people. While we were eating, um, these two super tall guys came in and walked past our table, and then not seconds later in the other direction, another like really tall fellow walked by in the other direction and he thought that was weird. You know, these stories would always be better if I heard about the dream before the, you know, the echo of it takes place in reality. Yeah. In any case, interesting story that night I'm sitting with Anna. We're talking about our day and she says, you know, I had this dream last night about, um, and then she describes other things in the common man restaurant that lined up with things in her dream. And I said, no. well, Anna, I got to tell you, I know you're not aware of this, but on the way home, dad told me a very similar story. So we started to think like maybe this common man restaurant is like a portal to uh, like a, another dimension or a deeper wow. level of awareness or something. You know, the one wow. the one story from dad was like, okay, that's pretty that's pretty interesting, but also yeah, a very yeah. typical dad right. story. You don't think right? too much of it. <laughs> You've heard them all a million no, times before. I don't mean it that way. <laughs> he listens to this, you know. I know, I know. He'll be fine. But yeah, so that I want to go back to that common man and see if I can tap into Really? Yeah, isn't that weird? Well, it is odd. I mean, nobody told me that story. About Anna's part of it. Well, I was wow. I was saving it for the podcast. Although I don't think that's the weirdest uh, thing about the common man. I would have to say that would be the bathrooms, <laughs> which most I really I could hardly utilize the bathroom. I was so busy trying to figure out what that recording was. It wasn't funny. It wasn't informative, and it wasn't entertaining. It certainly was annoying, though, and uh, I also had trouble going because I felt like there was somebody in the room with me. Uh, so in the bathrooms at this place, <laughs> they play this just super corny, aw shucks, um, audio track of this um, like Aunt B type woman. Um, if you've ever seen like the Andy Griffith show or just, you know, sort of a homespun grandmother type just making these little observations and these little jokes about boy howdy, uh, getting old's no fun, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I, why? Why does this exist? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know because I thought at first my and this is and last I thought maybe it's to disguise <laughs> sound, but the bathrooms are quite sturdy and there's really no. You know what I mean? There's no danger of that. So I have no idea what that was all about. I think you could stop with the free cheese and crackers. That's enough. That's all I need. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. As far as amenities go. 
Yeah. You don't need the Beverly Hillbillies piped into your Correct. ear while that's you're, right. yeah. Why couldn't it at least be funny? I don't, that's what I mean. I don't know what it was. So that's New Hampshire. That's New Hampshire. And Vermont a little bit. Yes. All right. That's two states we've knocked it off. Yeah, that's from. right. We've gotten a lot of suggestions on the uh, Twitter and via email for uh, Pop Mom on the Road. I don't know if I have the schedule to accommodate all this travel, but we'll do our best. Well, two states out of 50. Wow, you know. Well, yeah, but they're little states. They're two of 50. Okay. So 4%. Okay. you got to start somewhere. <laughs> so we have to visit every state in Pop Mom on the Road? Well, it depends what every state has to offer. Oh, wow. So you're going to pit the states against each other for our love. Is that what's happening now? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Next up, Maine and Massachusetts. <laughs> okay. I feel like there's so much more to talk about from the New Hampshire trip, but uh, perhaps we'll unravel more of that in coming weeks because we do okay. need to get to our pop culture review. I am so ready. Okay. Now in its 11th season, it's second on Netflix. Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee needs little introduction because its title explains the premise. Jerry Seinfeld picks up a comedian in a distinctive automobile chosen for the occasion, and they drive around and grab coffee, chatting all the while. It is the quintessential semi-retirement project for a TV star who has nothing left to prove. Jerry's guests for the 11th season of the show include Eddie Murphy, Bridget Everett, Seth Rogen, and Melissa Villasenor. Here's a clip. Where's the first place you remember standing on a stage? At the Youth Center. They had a talent contest. And I had a tape recorder and I uh, taped it. And uh, afterwards when I was listening to it, it blew my mind because it sounded like a, the, one of the Richard albums, like an right. album. It was like, like to hear people laughing. Right. To hear glass broke like somebody knocked something over. You could hear all that stuff. Oh my God. And I was in from then. You realize your memory is amazing. I have a really good memory. You remember the name of the Chinese restaurant gig we did in Jersey? The Jade Fountain. The Jade Fountain. That's crazy. The Jade Fountain. You remember that place? And the yeah, old, vaguely. And the vaguely. owner would say, hey, let me put your picture up here. I'll give you exposure. Let me give you one of your pictures. You get a lot of exposure. Exposure in the lounge of the Jade Fountain. The 11th season of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee is available on Netflix. Mom... After checking in on the show, do you find yourself driven to watch more? <laughs> um, yes, but not because of Jerry, that's for sure. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Why? Um, I, I think he's a little bit of a phony. Really? And, yes. Oh, wow. I couldn't be farther, farther off from that, but explain. Well, I find him, I find it disingenuous when he is constantly leaning over the side of the table because he's, he just, you know, that, that was just so funny that he can't even sit upright anymore or he throws his head back and, and doesn't make any noise laughing, but his mouth is wide open and... He rarely has anything very witty to say himself. Hmm. Now, given that, I do think that the purpose of the show is to showcase his guests. Yes. But I don't even think he's 
uh, especially adept at that. I think that's he's... my observation of him. Okay. Well, let me. All right. I. It's funny because one of the first bullet points in my notes is like the opposite of that. Although I will agree that he's not. Um, he doesn't really showcase his guests, but. <clears throat> What I noted is, to me, he's a good listener. He's very comfortable mm-hmm. in himself, very comfortable with himself at this point in his life. And he has his point of view, but he really takes in what the guest says and um, you know, preppers it throughout the conversation. He builds a conversation rather than you know your typical light, late night interview. You're sort of hitting some points that are on the blue card mm. or that you, know, you needed to get to. And it's all sort of one level. But he does allow the conversation to evolve and deepen a little bit um, because I do think he's a good listener, a better listener than most uh, stand-up comedians would be. Um, And I think he's crafted a format that fits his easygoing style. The laughing or lack thereof, the sort of leaning over the table, you know, um, I guess I'll say this. This is something I learned very early on working at The Daily Show and doing comedy in New York is that people in comedy don't laugh as much as you um, uh-huh. think they uh-huh. would at each other's um, material or, or what have right. you. I mean, sure, you get you have a few drinks, you hang out after a, after a set, and you might get very boisterous, but in conversation, they don't laugh as much. They'll say, that's funny, or they'll do one of these sort of physical affectations that you're describing where he leans over as if he's staggered by the humor of it, Um, and that's how you, quote-unquote, laugh. Um, So I don't really hold that against him, but I understand how it also also can be off-putting to to watch, because he does not laugh very much. And And it doesn't seem sincere. I'd rather have him just smile or just give a little snicker and then laugh at something that he thinks is quite funny. Um, that would make, I would be more comfortable with that because I, I, I'm not sure who you're doing that fake laugh for. Is it for the comedian's ego? Is it yes. um, because we in the audience are so stupid? We don't know what's funny. Um, I'm, I'm distracted by it, and I don't. I don't like it. I, I, I. You know, in comparing him to David Letterman, who is expert at what he does, yes. it comes up short for me. Well, I think that's fair. He's no Letterman. I don't think he would claim to be. No. So, did you watch Eddie Murphy? Yes, I did. Who I found very charming. Yeah, I loved Eddie. I mean, I didn't think it was the most... I don't know that it needed to be 40-plus minutes. You know, most yeah. of the other episodes are like 17, 18 minutes. I like that. Yeah. Um, I don't think it needed to be quite as long as it was, but you kind of just want to give him a hug. Not because you pity him, but um, because he just seems like a regular... He seems so grounded, which is not what he, I was expecting I, from Eddie Murphy. I know. I know, and I I hope you heard his tip because he starts every morning with prunes and raisin bran. <laughs> yeah, so as mom knows, um, le- this is going to be a sidetrack, but I do want to share it with the listeners in case there are other people with my affliction. <laughs> I've been having some GI problems lately, nothing too bad, but, un- you know, unpleasant and lasting. 
So I went to the doctor and he said, well, have you been constipated? And I was like, no, no, never. And he said, well, do you strain when you um, go to the bathroom? I said, oh, yeah, all the time. And he was like, well, that's constipated. You know, if you have to push and strain, then that's constipated. Right. So I was like, well, I'd like to revise my answer. I've been constipated for the last 12 years. And so now I'm on this wonderful diet that has really helped me. Um, but in the morning, I have two different kinds of Kashi Go cereal. And indeed, it has helped me go. But the side effect of just blasting my digestive system with all this fiber every morning, as apparently Eddie Murphy does as well, is that I pass a lot of wind. And, Mom, I have to tell you, I know I was really on a hot streak while I was at the house, but for whatever reason, perhaps the stress of travel, perhaps the fact that I wanted to finish off the boxes of Kashi Go before I left, at the airport, Mom, I must have broken wind at least 50 times. And we hadn't even gotten on the plane. Um, How lovely. And, you know, it's a... fortunate that you weren't on the plane. Yeah. And it did calm down before I got on the plane, much to the delight of my um, fellow flyers. But, um, (laughs) you know, it's I think it's the first time in my life, it's a pastime that I enjoy. You know, I think we all do. Nobody else enjoys it. Yeah. I don't enjoy it. You don't enjoy a good fart? Well, I do. But even I was like, all right, geez, this is getting old. (laughs) Enough already. Enough already. So, yes, I did notice Eddie Murphy's little tip, and I'm with him. Raisin Bran, maybe I ought to mix that in a little bit. Yeah, that's pretty tasty. The stuff you're eating has no taste Oh, it's at all. terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. It's awful. But it's been, it's um, been good for me. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. So here's what I want to tell you that I enjoyed about Eddie Murphy. Yeah. He said that he's let his comedy muscle atrophy. Mm, yes. And I really, um, I liked that image. N- not that he's done that, but that he, he doesn't do anything but hang around the house and spend time with his family, which he enjoys. But that was a little insight into, you know, what, how much work it would be. Think about going to the gym and, and becoming a prize fighter that, that now all that has to be developed again. Because yeah. he's been away from it for so long. Yeah. And I thought that was very interesting. The other point that he made, uh, actually, I'm not sure if he made this, but this was during his um, his session, is that the, the more money that's involved yeah. in a gig, the less fun it is. I made note of that. That was really Jerry um, pushing that, although Eddie, Eddie Murphy agreed. Um, Jerry was talking about how, you know, when money is poured into a project, he sees it as antithetical to the comedy because you start building it up um, and it's harder to have a sense of humor about it. It becomes less fun. And Eddie said, yeah, you need a little pressure. You need a little edge. And they talked about this at another point in their conversation about how he feels that in those rare moments when he's been on stage and has felt totally relaxed and loose, he's not great. And that he, right. he needs that nervousness and that energy to be really on his game. Um, wow. Yeah. I thought that was a great insight. I thought that was a great insight, too. And the um, the last note that I made about him was that I love that they mentioned David Brenner, 
who is a comedian mm-hmm. who has since passed. He was from Philadelphia. And I used to think he was very funny. He was. Um, I don't even know if you knew him. And Rodney Dangerfield. You know, they mentioned some of the, the uh, old timers. And I, I just, I thought that was interesting. The thing I also made note of was, um, you know, a little gossip. Sometimes Yeah. you don't get to, they talked about Bill Cosby and he sort of sounds like he was, he was a jerk, but um, it was fun to hear it. Yeah. Well, I think we all know now that um, Bill Cosby was a monster. Um, in addition yeah. to being a jerk, but, um, yeah, I love those. I love those little tidbits. Agreed. A little insight. The other person that I wanted to talk about, well, I, there's two more that I really do want to, sure. um, mention, but, um, Ricky Gervais, who yeah. as a person, I do not really care for. I liked his performance in, was it afterlife? Yeah. We did that on the show on the podcast yeah. here. Yeah. And I did like him there. Um, as a human being, I don't really love him. Now, Jerry loves him. He did a two-part show. But they got on a, on a thing about uh, talking about a racist joke about the Chinese. And, you know, I, I was, I'm not offended because, you know, I'm not Chinese. I'm not offended for that reason. Um, the joke was along the lines of they all look the same and mm. such. Okay. okay. Something like that. What bothered me was that Jerry got right in on it and they referred to it more than once throughout the the show, both shows. And I, I, I didn't get it. I didn't think it was funny. And I, I just, I, it really rubbed me the wrong way. Um, yeah, well, I'm not surprised on the Ricky Gervais episode that that happened. Um, Jerry does flash this side of himself, um, this side of himself that is um, not content with the way that our um, social mores have evolved, especially when it comes to comedy. And they're not my favorite moments. Um, he was in the car with Eddie Murphy. Um, and he made a joke about homeless people that... Right was um, clever, but it was one of those jokes that punches down. Um, You know, it was hard to hear coming from the mouth of this, you know, multi-multi-millionaire in his Porsche. It was hard to hear him make, and he couched it, you know. He he said, like, you can't, that's not something you can say, but he still said it, and... You know, I'm not going to get all cancel culture and say death to Jerry Seinfeld, right. but it's they're not my favorite moments. Yeah. And and I do think they crop up from time to time. They're uncomfortable. Yeah. And I understand yeah. that comedy can be uncomfortable. And I guess I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I well, guess I'll just leave it at that. I just I could not bring myself to watch the Ricky Gervais one. I'm not going to belabor it because I have talked about it on the podcast before. If you want to know what I think of Ricky Gervais, you can listen to the Afterlife episode. I just don't I just don't care for him. Uh, Well, I just want to tell you one thing that that he did say that has me thinking. Okay, mm. and and I this isn't really a joke, but this is something that he said. And I think he intended it as a joke, but it does make me stop and think. And he says Ricky Gervais said, 
You know, what could be more arrogant than praying to a God that didn't stop the Holocaust to help you find your car key? <laughs> well, it's pretty funny. And I wrote that down. I don't know. You know, that's, that's all I really want to say about that. Um, I, I find him a little offensive. Well, I find him offensive. Okay, there. You know, offensive has become such a trite word. I'm not saying... Oh, my God. That's the last thing I want to be. <laughs> well, none of us wants to be trite. But, I mean, to me, it's not... Again, like you were saying with the jokes about um, Chinese people, like, it's not that you're personally offended or... I also think it's kind of arrogant to be offended on someone else's behalf, but uncomfortable. Right, right. I guess Ricky Gervais... I... He doesn't make me uncomfortable. I just don't think he's that clever. I don't think he's... I mean, that was kind of a funny joke you just told me. And I've laughed. I mean, The Office was genius. Extras yeah. was genius. You know, so I know he has it in him. I think Stephen Merchant is, is a good collaborator for him uh, in those two examples I may listed. But um, he just... He irritates me, I guess, more than he makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't find him offensive because I don't... Uh, I'm not even going to give him that power. Yep. I don't know if and I express that very well, but... <clears throat> I think I've just given you the best piece of it anyway. Did you watch any other episodes? Oh, yeah. This uh, is... this is a, I watched uh, quite a few, actually. But okay. the, the last one that I really would like to comment on was Matthew Broderick. Oh, I didn't get to that one. I wanted to. Oh, well... And I, I don't really understand this, and maybe when you watch it, you can tell me why. But Matthew Broderick and uh, Jerry Seinfeld apparently are friends off uh, yes. television, because um, I just saw a thing on Facebook where somebody recognized Matthew Broderick and asked, could he take his picture with his child, which he did, and he kept asking the other guy, would he please step out of the picture? Would he please step out of the picture? And he would not step out of the picture. So finally the guy took the picture, and it was Jerry Seinfeld. So um, given that little story, here... <laughs> That's great. Jerry picks Matthew up, and they go for coffee, and it's very low-key, but you will enjoy this one very much, I think. Oh. What they end up doing is going to City Field, and they go into the Mets locker room, and they, um, you know, have a few jokes in there, and then they put on their their jerseys with their names on it, and they go out to the field and hit a few balls and catch a few balls and eat a couple of hot dogs. Just there's nobody there; it's just them. And at some point. I, it made me want to cry. And this is just so odd. So I'm very anxious for you to watch this one. They take some stills. You know, maybe it's the way it's done. But here's these men, and I feel like they're really living a little bit of a dream. Yes. Like, like maybe you would feel if you went out in, in Fenway Park and hit some balls and caught some balls back by the green monster. And sure. I don't know. It was very bittersweet and I loved every minute of it. I understand the feeling you got. I'm looking forward to seeing it. One of the best days of my life took place at City Field. What, what day? Do you know about this? I don't know. 
The City Field, by the way, is where the Mets play. Is it it's still called City Field, Field then? That's nice that that has stuck. And uh, I think this was either the first or second season that City Field had opened. And we, this is when I was, when writing about video games was my main gig. And I was invited, as well as my good friend Scott Jones, he was also on this uh, trip, I was invited on this junket for some crappy baseball video game. I don't know if it was MLB The Show or if it was something else, but some baseball game being put out uh, by a game studio with more money than cents, which is all of them, really. Um, and so they put together this elaborate junket for us. We get to, uh, we're down on the field for batting practice. Um, with the Mets. And I think they were playing the Brewers that day. Um, and I met Prince Fielder, got his autograph. Um, and we're standing right there on the field while these guys are just smashing baseballs and, um, you know, doing, you know, playing catch and getting, getting warmed up. Um, just phenomenal. Then we go up and we watch the game from this ridiculous luxury box with all the food you could possibly want. I've done that. You've done that. Yeah, you talked about that a few uh, number of weeks ago on yeah. the podcast. Um, yeah. And then on the, we just had so much fun. And I resolved to <laughs> never write about this game because I was so, I just felt it was so corrupt that I was being treated to this experience. That's the wow. problem if you invite a uh, critic with some uh, ethics on these junkets is that yeah. it just repulsive. Yeah. <laughs> I just was resolved never to write about this game one way or the other. Then on the train ride home, we ended up next to Keith Olbermann on the, on this practically oh, empty. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, this practically empty subway car. Scott and I are sitting uh, just on the other end of a bench from Keith Olbermann with like nobody else on the on the train. Um, and so I did sidle over to him and just said I admired his work and and you know I tried not yeah. to bother him, but he engaged with us and he was he was quite kind. Um, and also quite sarcastic, as is his way. Yeah, and yeah. it was just this magical set of memories. So I really want to see this episode now, knowing that they go to City Field, and uh, yeah. maybe I'll uh, be reliving some of those memories uh, vicariously, so to speak. Yeah, I think you will. Um, it was, to me, it was a very real episode of the show. Uh, Jerry seemed relaxed. He didn't um, have that tension that he that he seems to have with some of the guests and hmm. um it was just wonderful it was just wonderful uh and i did see some other other episodes but this one was a particular favorite of mine okay seth rogan did you watch that one i did i made absolutely i have no notes yeah at all. well they didn't have much to talk about did they no i i just didn't i couldn't even i couldn't pull anything out of that yeah. at all. It was just a, sort of like a waste of my time. Uh, Martin Short? Uh, that's my next one. That was a fun one, wasn't it? I haven't seen it. Oh, that's your ne- I see. That's your next one. Uh, Martin Short always one. delivers. I'll tell you what. And Jerry well, Jerry says to him as much. He says, everybody relaxes when Martin, Shorten's, when Martin Short is booked wow. for the show because you know he's going to be funny. And it's the God's honest truth. The guy is just always funny for these gigs. I mean, I just think he's funny in general, but he's yeah. really good in conversation. I heard him on the Conan podcast a number of weeks ago and uh, good god, that was that was so entertaining. Oh, uh, I'd like to hear that. Now, I don't really care about cars. Boy, dad's really I hope maybe we just shouldn't let dad listen to this episode cuz um I, I don't, don't think we can stop him. Well, 
as you know, and I think Dad is aware, I don't really care about cars. But I do enjoy hearing people talk about things that they're passionate about. You know, I'll never get tired of that. So I do like the little intros where Jerry talks about the history and the personality of the cars and why they appeal to him. I think those are really nicely done. It takes about a minute. It's not a big, elaborate thing, but I, I really like those. Do you? I do like those. I like how he shows the details because I look at it and I say, eh. And then he says, and, you know, this is made out of, uh, whatever it's made in the 50s there was only a hundred of them made and so i find all that stuff interesting yeah i mean he really uh manages to impart a personality and charm on a green mercedes 1983 diesel station wagon uh, right which i mean it was a pretty car but i didn't expect uh, to be quite as charmed by it as i eventually was thanks to jerry yeah right exactly and that's the car that he does with Martin Short. Yes. I guess if you haven't seen it, then I think that was the Martin Short car. Yeah, I just saw that uh, car at the beginning of that episode. So For me, it's a hit or miss series. Like Seth Rogen, that yes. was that uh, that didn't even need to exist. I don't. Um, and, you know, it's really choppy. I am so tired of close up shots of coffee being poured. Oh. Or coffee beans swirling around. They all look the same. They all look the same. And um, it's just to chop up the conversation because you'll have about 15 seconds of a good exchange. And then we've got some B-roll of coffee being poured. And then maybe we're on to another topic. Maybe not. But um, the editing is is tiring for me, as necessary as I I realize it is. Yes. You're so right. That, that That is really a spot on observation. Wow, okay. I, I, I do agree with you. And I do agree with you that it's choppy. So, you know, as far as a grade, I would give some of them A pluses and some of them, you know, a D minus. <laughs> yeah. It's just you can't you can't uh you can't do this as a whole. Because some some episodes are just wonderful. Yeah. So uh, what is your grade for comedians in cars getting coffee as I a whole, Mom? I just told you, you can't. A through F. A, a through every grade. Every grade. So what does that average out to? <laughs> C. Okay. Uh, do you have a recommendation this week, Mom? No. No. Oh, I do. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh-huh. My recommendation is to read the story that Johnny wrote about game show wheels. That's yes. right, wheels. It's on avclub.com. Just search for A Brief History of Spinning. Um, I wrote a piece about the history of game show wheels. Not exhaustive. Uh, as I say, it's a brief history, but uh, it sort of takes you into why they exist, how they work. What was your favorite part of the article, Mom? Johnny, I told you I haven't read it yet. Uh, yeah, I just wanted the listeners to know that my own mom didn't even read the article, but if you care to read it. <laughs> I, haven't, I had to watch episodes of shows because we moved up the podcast recording okay. time. Okay, so also, mom refuses to read this article, but if you want to read it, you can go to avclub.com. It's on my Twitter. You can find it. 
Wait, also, I think you should tell people about the talk you're going to give in case they would like to plan to see that. If you are going to be in the Ann Arbor area on uh, Friday, August 9th, I am giving a talk about the lesser-known shows of Alex Trebek. It's going to be a fun, breezy overview of the Alex Trebek career you don't know about, and it's pretty deep. You'd be surprised. He's done a lot of stuff um, that people have largely forgotten. Uh, That is August 9th in Ann Arbor. If you want details, go to the uh, Ann Arbor District Library website, aadl.org. And you can find all the details there, because I don't know where it's going to be. Yeah, because your limo will take you, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, it's at the downtown library in the multi-purpose room. Wow. Well, the multi-purpose The multi-purpose room. What an honor. Wow. Boy, and you know, I'm looking at the, uh, they've put together some promotional art for this, uh, for this talk, and they've got pictures of Alex, uh, a lot of it from his Canadian broadcasting career at the CBC, and I'm not talking about any of that shit, so uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) People might be disappointed. (laughs) Well, Canadians can stay home. (laughs) All right. I guess I have to touch on some of the Canadian stuff now, Um, but he he did, he hosted like a Canadian... um, Sort of a Canadian American bandstand, call it Canadian bandstand. Oh, no. Although they didn't call it that, and there's only brief clips of him doing the surviving, but you would not recognize him. He comes out and he's just a swinging hepcat, and he is um, a totally different guy. That sounds crazy. Yeah. All right, so I'll I'll throw some I'll throw some CBC in there as well. The talk just got bigger. Thanks to go. the promo art that the Ann Arbor District Library put That's together. Great. More bang for your buck. <laughs> but yeah, August 9th, 7 p.m. at the downtown Ann Arbor District Library in the multi-purpose room. That night, the purpose of that room will be to talk about Alex Trebek. <laughs> Good Lord. Okay. That's great. Um, well, that'll do it for this week's edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back next week. Now, I'm, I know I, I promised last time next week, and then we had to delay it, but I hate to do that. So that's, that's not going to happen this time. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more pop culture. The only question is, what should we talk about? Something interesting. Something interesting. Okay, we'll do our best. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends. We love you. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. Love you, too.